Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek. Joining me, as always, is Shannon Miller, our creative and inclusion editor. Shannon, how are you doing? Um, I am okay on the 300th day of January. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's, I have no idea. Like, like I, It's like I never want to give away the mystery of when the podcast is recorded, but also today it's a mystery to me because I never know what day it is. <laughs> like January has just been like I I never I have z- zero clue. Hey, I wanted to share a fun fact, a stat, if you will. Um, I asked <laughs> I asked on Twitter via poll, so this is scientific. I got three hundred responses. I'm counting that as a scientific, uh, you know, significant sample. I asked, "Do you like when podcast hosts have banter at the beginning of an episode?" <laughs> And I'll say that the reason I asked is because I always like chatting with you and who our guest is, which I will interview in a moment before we dive into it. Um, but then I feel a little self-conscious, like, oh, are people listening to me like, shut up, man, just get to it. Uh, and so I put it out there because I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, another podcast I had not listened to before, and the hosts had 13 minutes of banter at the beginning. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was new to it. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know these jokes. Like maybe your listeners, like your regular listeners love this, but I, I don't know what's happening. Um, and so I put it out there. Uh, overwhelmingly, like 64% said they love light banter. Good. <laughs> limited, <laughs> limited to a few minutes. Well, we are delivering uh, in, in very light spades here then. <laughs> 12% said, I'm here for the banter. There can never be too much. Uh, and then 20-something percent said, uh, just get to it. So to that 20%, I apologize that we like to say hi to each other. But it's because this is like our one chance to like chat with each other when we're not, I don't know, on a deadline or whatever. Right. And speaking of great people to chat with, we've got our colleague, David Kaplan, who is the brand editor and performance marketing editor. He wears two important hats here at Adweek. David, uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always a pleasure to be here, David. Shannon, great to see you and hear you as well. And uh, this week we're here to talk about the great resignation mm-hmm. of CMOs. <laughs> not, not the one that you've actually probably been noticing in your life of everyone leaving their jobs. Uh, but the CMO rotation, CMO, I will say, uh, I've been with Adweek a long time and they're, it, it comes and goes in spurts. Like you have these moments where it feels like every CMO is leaving. David, I guess first off, before we dig into who all has announced mm. their exits or just been escorted out in some cases, um, do you feel that there is an actual trend happening here or is it just a randomly clustering group of, of exits? Yeah, I, I actually kind of do think there is something to this trend. It's been happening for a while, but 
uh, yeah, in, in addition to my uh, my two titles that I generally have, I have also been uh, appointed CMO Death Watch editor this week. So uh, stay tuned for that business card to come. But yeah, I think there there's a lot going on. As you mentioned, it's one on one hand, it's part of the the great resignation, this pandemic driven need for for people to sort of you know reevaluate their their lives and their careers and and just start making changes that's obviously you know cmos ha, you know are are a part of that and as you noted the cmo job itself has always been a, a kind of short tenured position um i remember you know 10 15 years ago it was kind of shocking that there were there would be stories that that you know, would describe how the CMO role tends to last just 27 months, uh, just a little over two years. Uh, now it's, uh, I'm seeing statistics that it's down to 16 months, um, which is just, in, you know, it, it really even by the the level of job hopping that we've seen across all industries and careers, that's that's a pretty shocking number. And I think it's it's driven by you know, a few things. It ties into this. The One of the things that's driving the great resignation is the sense that workers everywhere feel that they are undervalued and under-resourced. And I think it goes into some of the changes uh, that and challenges that we see in marketing departments. Um, there's this idea, uh, in speaking with a number of the people who've left, the sense that the job itself uh, you know, is it's either it's either a very powerful role as a decision maker across the the brand identity to advertising decisions, and now it's had to absorb things like social media and and commerce in ways that and technology in ways that they that this role hasn't had to deal with before. So there's so many things, you know, so many pressures mounting on that CMO role that uh, you know they are they are leaving in droves. But so. I guess uh, I man, I have so many things I want to ask you and Shannon about with this, and so many thoughts I have. But first, okay, just tell us some names. Tell us some names and, and companies where we've seen people leaving, and if you happen to know whether it was voluntary or not, <laughs> uh, if you could share that as well. So yeah, th- just this week alone, uh, we've seen five major CMOs leaving their positions, and in four of those positions, it it is clear that. Uh, those were the decisions of the CMOs themselves to to uh, take them out of of those roles. Um, the uh, most recent one reported yesterday, a uh, little bit of breaking news for Adweek was the uh, departure of Bruno Cardinali from Popeyes, um, RBI, the parent company which also owns Burger King, uh, has seen a number of defections and and defenestrations over the past few months. <laughs> Um, uh, I should I should laugh. I know it's people's jobs, but that yes, was an excellent. Yeah, it's way tough. To, yeah, to and um, so so Bruno is is the latest uh, person to to leave that company, um, and he's uh, being replaced on an interim basis by the uh, Matt Rubin, who had headed uh, RBI's uh, you know who you know marketing and branding for the APAC region. Um, other departures this week. Uh, included Walgreens Patrick McLean, uh, IBM's Carla Pinheiro Sublet, who just started, uh, you know, less than a year ago. Just she was just coming up on her year and anniversary. Um, Formula One's Ellie Norman, and lastly TikTok's Nick Tran, who's really celebrated marketer. Um, there was a, a New York Post story that suggested that he was pushed out, but it also kind of. 
you know, I thought really uh, distorted some of the issues uh, that he had faced there. Um, he had done a number of really, you know, ex- you know, experimental, you know, ideas. And those had been celebrated. Some of them maybe hadn't gone over as well with with uh, the leadership team at TikTok. Um, but you know, he he's a he's a rightly respected marketing professional, and he was gone. And I think that you know he really typifies whether the, whether people had left voluntarily or felt they were you know were being pushed out again it comes back to this idea that i'm hearing from a lot of cmos that the role itself it has been given a lot more tasks but is also less valued and one of the reasons i think uh, is at the heart of that is that you know think of the the job itself it's you know branding is really at its heart it's about the relationships that are that you form and also and nebulous ideas such as brand affinity and awareness and you know for the most part we are everyone's data driven these days and the data can only tell you so much about the about things like affinity and relationships versus say sales and so that's ultimately how how these you know, CMOs are judged. How are sales doing? And they get the credit and the blame if those sales don't reach up, you know, to to what expectations are, what is necessary in a given quarter or series of quarters. And no one's really being great anymore on the idea of the, you know, more general concepts of, you know, brand building and relationship building. So that's, that's a, it's a, it's become a tougher job uh, to kind of justify and value. And that's, I think, part of the reason why I really do see this as a trend as, you know, that's a part, even if it's aligned to the, the, this wider change in, in careers and and job hopping that we're seeing. Yeah. I feel like, um, a pushback, Shannon. I'm curious if you've started to see this uh, in the in the the year or so you've been our creative editor because it's something that certainly comes up, especially around award season. Right? Is when people say, "How can you award the creativity, the marketing of X brand when their sales are declining?" Uh, I get it. I get it philosophically. I do think they're 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 somewhat unrelated. Like I do think you can celebrate creativity without having to acknowledge like global market forces right? <laughs> and all these other things. But I'm just curious, like, do you think, you know, I think most recently Burger King is probably the, the most debated example where um, in the time that they were winning every creative award on earth, uh, I would argue, I would point out, including the gold Effie, which is specifically about marketing effectiveness. Uh, they won that for Moldy Whopper, uh, famously not uh, like the 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 one you would think of as the biggest turnaround campaign, um, but in that time they they lost ground uh, to Wendy's, and I'm just curious for you as a creative editor, how much stock do you put in the effectiveness of marketing when you're seeing sales or stock prices declining while they're getting a lot of attention for their marketing? I mean, like we're in a really really odd economical time. There are a number of factors that can can contribute to a decline in sales um, outside of anything that we could have even considered possible like five years ago. So I don't, I feel like hinging um, the creative successes of a campaign on the sales um, or heavily um, hanging it on sales. I don't necessarily think that that's fair. Um, in terms of creativity, I'm, I'm, 
as a person who's like heavily invested in the creative side of marketing, I'm, I'm a little more concerned about whether or not the creativity is telling the brand story and moving that brand forward. Obviously, sales are going to matter, um, you know, somewhat. I mean, it has to do its job a little bit, but I, I just, I can't be too caught up in how it's moving sales when there are just so many outside factors as to why people may be holding on to their money a little bit tighter these days. Yeah, it's like I, I never necessarily blame a, a brand for for getting rid of any C-level, especially executive, because A, it's their money and it's usually a big amount of money. And so, you know, they have their reasons. Um, but I do – what I worry about, and Kaplan, I'm curious if, if you know, what what you think are the, is the – the way that this these moments of mass exodus uh, can sometimes send uh, unintentional messages even to the marketing world, where it's like I feel like sometimes uh, people say like, oh, these were marketers who their stock prices didn't go up and therefore they suffered and, and from now on everyone should be measured against their stock prices. Or like, I don't know, you know what I mean, is that I think sometimes – to me, it's so internal. I'm like, listen, we don't know. We don't know why uh, RBI has gotten rid of uh, several uh, marketing chiefs at mega brands that are doing, from the outside, seem to be doing great. Uh, you know, with Popeyes, with uh, uh, with uh, Burger King, and you know, really the only CMO left at Restaurant Brands International is Tim Horton, um, and so it's. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think it's sending a message that that's going to have an effect on how marketers approach their jobs? I, I I do think it sends that message. I think that you know one of the the challenging things among the many other challenging things I noted with the job of of CMO is in a way unlike say someone in say data and analytics, people look at at the the role of of branding the work of branding as something i can do that i understand that i can tell the story i you know the idea is is so it just seems so obvious if you're again a, C, a ceo or a coo and that if things are working right and I, I again this is just pure speculation on my part with rbi which as you noted from the outside the these brands seem to be doing great so the idea is well if things are are working so well maybe it's really not the cmo who is really moving things and it you know things are just moving normally so who was whoever's in that role it doesn't really matter and i think that sort of sends the message that a lot of cmos are are feeling is that they're interchangeable and what they're doing is not that special it's kind of we can get anybody because the idea is there's always been a revolving door anyway with that with that position so the idea that you know, as I said, opposed to something like data analytics is something that a CEO, maybe unless they are from an engineering background, feels that they can't touch and they can't understand it. But everyone feels intuitively they know what the story of the brand should be. They know what the relationships should be. They know what the advertising should look like and, and on and on. I really found Bruno, Bruno Cardinale's exit really interesting because like he literally just came off of like probably one of the biggest successes for Popeye. I mean, for Popeye's, I mean, in terms of like the numbers, we don't necessarily have those, but the, just the scale of that last um, effort with Megan the Stallion was really, really impressive. And I think pushed Popeye's into, into a conversation that they had not previously been a part of. 
And so like for him to sort of leave out on top, I was like, you just got started, it seemed like. So th- that I thought that that was interesting. W- was there anything that you found like really surprising about that exit in particular? Yeah, I had a great conversation with, with Bruno. And for him, part of it is feeling like he's going out on a high note and noting that when he started three about three years ago, that the the marketing department itself was under-resourced. It was about uh, 10, 15 people. He now has, uh, he's ending his tenure this month with 60 people under him. So the idea that he built a a new organization at Popeye's, and it showed through things like the work with Megan The Stallion and the the Chicken Wars a few years ago with with Chick-fil-A and how the idea that Popeye's could be selling out of, of chicken and was that they created something really special with that. And it's, it, you know, it, there are so many elements that go into the, you know, the good work, the great work of, of branding that it's, you know, it becomes one, a level of, well, this is just, you know, naturally happening. And that's another part of, well, what are we going to do now? How are you going to top this? And I, uh, and, and as Bruno had said to me that also another change in addition to being given more resources and more people and more and, and more power, was also he had to be responsible uh, at the end for social, for commerce, which uh, never was something that a CMO like him uh, never had to touch before. And so that's that's kind of where he where he finishes up now. And for him, he felt, hey, it's been two years in a pandemic, two years of challenges, but he he feels that he's, you know, has the wherewithal to take a break. And he said that if I found myself in a period where I could, you know, just not do anything for, for a few months, uh, he was going to take it. And he felt this was, you know, as good a time as opposed to when maybe things were more challenging as uh, as the economy and, and, you know, work-life balance becomes. Yeah. I think, I think what'll be interesting because now we've got Fernando Machado has left uh, his larger role at, at RBI, which included Popeyes, uh, overseeing Popeyes and uh, Burger King, uh, and really kind of having an era there that Bruno was a a huge part of. Um, and the last time this happened, uh, that that a highly creative era ended for Burger King, and there were grumblings about the lack of sales to show for it. They entered just excuse my language, the most dog shit years of Burger King advertising, just the most forgettable trash ads that were all product shots, mm-hmm. some celebrities, just just terrible ads. And in their post Crispin Porter Bogusky years, and it's because they felt that Crispin, you know, supposedly they felt that Crispin was too edgy and pushed things too far, and so they switched up their leadership and their agencies. And it took them a while to get their bearings. And I always think about that when you hear about uh, either a CMO leaving voluntarily or uh, someone being tossed out, especially if they were trying new things and people were like, well, the stock didn't go up. The number of restaurants didn't go up. Uh, they lost ground. You can you can make the mistake of like trying to find someone who will get you that steady growth and also put you into a, an absolute death spiral of <laughs> of unoriginal <laughs> marketing that, that moves you off the radar of things like Adweek, right? Exactly. You can be an effective company that does essentially no marketing, and then we will probably just be like, yeah, here their sales are good. Um, but it's, I don't think anyone wants to be there. No one wants to be like the head bean counter at a, 
you know, a slow and steady brand that is never on the cultural radar. So it's we, the, the the coming months shall be uh, shall be interesting. Uh, David Kaplan, I encourage everyone to follow you and your team's reporting on adweek.com. Uh, I have a feeling that there's more to come. Uh, so we shall see. And of course, we want to hear your thoughts uh, about uh, what you think, what message all these uh, CMO exits send, if any, what you think about CMO tenure and whether it matters. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. David, thanks so much for joining us. David, thank you. And Shannon, thank you as well. And yes, more to come. Thank you. Shannon, as always, I enjoy our light banter as statistically approved by our followers. So great, great to chat with you. Next episode, 10 words or less. Just be like, hey, Shannon, and then just go (laughs) get into it. All right. Well, we are out of time. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we'll be back next week.